So open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Um, we're continuing in our series, 2020, Correcting Our Vision. And uh, this is the last in that series, and then we're going to move on to some other stuff, and then we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer. So the book of Matthew is awesome. I'm glad we're doing it. Every week I get, uh, I get more and more out of it. And this week uh, was a tough one for me, and uh, we'll see why as we get into it, because I think if we really look at the Scripture the way it's written, it's going to be a tough, tough week for all of us. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, this one is on loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. I think I have a picture on there. My, uh, there we go. See? I knew you were going to say, oh, that's why I put that down the bottom. Oh. It's, now, when that dog wakes up, it'll be a totally different story. Uh, go ahead to the next one. Oh. That is so cute. And you know what? When they both wake up, they're going to be really upset with each other. Okay, next one. Oh, He doesn't look very happy. And then this is my favorite one here. Go to the next one. There they are. Kay, Fed, and Brittany. Oh, they're not together anymore. Just in case any of you didn't notice. So let's get into the, uh, oh, you know what I want to do really quickly? Please don't forget this announcement that I'm making right now. Our kids are going to winter camp. And uh, if you feel a burning desire on your heart that's coming right now, (laughs) um, we are sending a lot of kids to camp on scholarship this year. Um, And so if you uh, would sense the Lord asking you to give, maybe sponsor a kid to go to camp, Uh, When we take our offering at the end of the service, and for those who are visiting, please don't feel any obligation to give. But when we do that, if you just want to write a separate check that just says uh, winter camp, or if you write one check for your tithe and that, just put it in an envelope and just say, you know, so much for tithe, so much for winter camp. Anyway, uh, that'll be great because we're sending a lot of kids. And so uh, probably more than we ever have. And we're sending a lot of them on scholarship. The other thing that's happening is you'll probably see people selling stuff when you get outside. They're all doing it to raise money for camp. So um, buy lots of things and uh, send a kid to camp. Okay? So let's get into uh, our scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. It says this. Yeah, cool. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his, uh, his son to rise. I love that. He causes his son. Isn't that cool? It's God's son. Isn't that, that's great. Could you imagine? No, that's my son. You're going to have to get your own. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than the others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want to talk about two ways you can confuse truth in your life. And the the Pharisees were masters at this. And we have to be careful that we don't get very good at it. Because 
we can, if we go too long by doing these two things, one of these two or both of them, we're going to lose sight of what's really true. We're really good at faking ourselves out, making ourselves look better than we are. The first is to take away something that is there. So you've got truth. This is what the truth says, and you take something, you remove something from it. And when we read scripture, when we study scripture, we have to be very careful that we don't just breeze over little sections as we're having our devotion. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, that's great, but you've got to look at the whole context. There's some things that are required of us as well. Okay, things like that. Well, I call them lottery ticket verses where we just go, yay, we got it, we made it. And when you look around, you go, oh, I was supposed to do something first? Oh, I get it, right? So we take away something. The other thing we do is we add something that's not there. You say, now, why, why are you doing this? Because this is what the Pharisees are doing in this section of Scripture and in the previous ones we've been talking about. We've been talking about 2020 correcting our vision. Jesus is saying, you've had these glasses on for a very long time and you've adjusted to the vision. You know how you do that? You find yourself getting headaches and why, why do I have headaches? For those of you who have glasses, like I do, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put them on right now. Um, <laughs> but, ah, uh, oh, see that? I didn't even mean to do that at this portion of the sermon. Uh, you, 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 you think everything's going well, but you're getting headaches and then you go to the doctor and he says, well, that's fine. That was your old prescription, but put these on and you go, whoa, I can see. This is what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, you've had these glasses on, but try these out. It's a little clearer. So I, I was on my way uh, home, and Lisa wasn't home, and none of the kids were home. And so I had some time to myself. So I did what every good pastor does. Uh, I turned on the television. Uh, because I was checking my email, and I have to multitask no matter what I'm doing, even if the other tasks are totally useless. Like, it doesn't have to be efficient. Just, I can't just check my email. I have to be listening to music or watching television or whatever. So I was checking my email, and I turned on Dr. Phil. You guys ever seen Dr. Phil? I, I don't know. Maybe he's... I, look, don't, don't look at me like that, okay? <laughs> you guys are like, no, I've never seen him. He's, I, I don't know anything about him, okay? Although I kind of like him because he can say stuff that I wish I could say as a pastor, that I can't. I have to kind of sugarcoat everything. And so if I'm talking to somebody, uh, like Dr. Phil, when he's talking to somebody, he just says, you know what? <laughs> and the person's like on, on, in front of everyone in America, he's like, you know what? You're stupid. <laughs> All right? All right, you're stupid. Oh, yes, I, yeah, I know. Man, I have to say something like, you know, I think God wants to speak this word into your life, or I have to, like, sugarcoat it somehow. He can just come out and say, you're stupid, okay? <laughs> so I like that. I like that. I might, I might watch a little bit more Dr. Phil. But, <clears throat> so I turn on Dr. Phil, and there's this guy on, this doctor, and he's telling a story about what happened to him because he'd gotten in this altercation with some people. And he was giving his side of the story, and then they'd show a video of that story. And I actually was able to get video of it. And so um, I want to show this. Uh, it, but, but let, me, let me explain what's going to happen because the sound isn't really good. But basically he says, she came at me like a leopard. So she, and she was, and you'll see how it happens. It's just so awesome. 
says, she came at me like a leopard with intent to do body. She wanted to injure me. And so as I went like this and put my hands up, she ran into my hand, <laughs> lost her balance, and fell down. That, that's, his, that's his story. Let's go ahead and see what happened. Okay. 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 So, just, you know what? Let's watch that one more time. Why don't you go backwards there? Yeah, that's it. Good. Okay, here we go. That's a leopard there. Okay, so the only reason I show that, she turned out to, she's fine, okay, everybody's fine, okay, so I'm watching this thing going, that was my sermon last week, I could have just showed that over and over again, and believe me, it's a lot longer than that, there were all sorts of, he went after a cameraman, and just to hear the story of, I was just, what, but let me tell you, church, that is every single one of us. We just don't have our lives on videotape. I came home and I just said to my wife, oh, I just said, how was your day? And then she just lunged at me. I just, I I wasn't doing anything. I just said, oh, sweetheart, honey, honey, bunches of oats. I, I love you. I worship you. And then she just attacked me, right? Or wives, wives are like, (laughs) hee, 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 hee. Wives are just like, he leaves everything all over the floor. I made it worse for the wives. That was cool. That was cool. I want to get, I want to get letters from everybody this week. It, it's in our nature to do that. We paint ourselves in a better light than what is really the case. And so what ha- this is why this is so great. What we just got done with last week was um, don't take vengeance. And so all of a sudden we go, okay, that's the new standard. If I don't take revenge, I'm okay. And Jesus says, no, we're going to take it one more notch. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Remember we talked about uh, last week, we tend to overvalue what's been done to us. It's just been horrible. Remember, she came at me like a leopard. And she just came right after me. There, he's overvaluing what was done to him. And I just put up my hands. And as she lunged into my hand, she lost her balance. And he just nailed her, right? So he's probably going to do a little time behind bars for that. So learn that from that video as well. Leave the women alone. Uh, <clears throat> So Jesus is saying, you've, you've heard X, but I say Y. Now, what, what are we talking about how the Pharisees take stuff away and they add stuff? Well, I want you to look at this. Where it says, love your neighbor, they took something out. 
they left something out. Because if I just leave it to you or me, if the only thing is love my neighbor, I can define that however I want, can't I? And I will. <laughs> because of my sin nature. I will say, well, I, I didn't call the cops on them or I didn't egg their house. I love my neighbor, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. In Leviticus 19.18, this is where they get this from. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. That is what they took out. As myself? Well, what does that mean? Well, how do you love yourself? You make sure to the best of your ability that every single one of your needs is taken care of. That's what I do. I make sure that every single one of my needs is taken care of. That's how I love myself. And interestingly enough, uh, Paul says that to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as your own flesh, as, as you would love yourself. You say, well, I don't mind picking up my own underwear, so it's okay. No, no, you love her as she, to, to the extent that she needs to be loved, you supply all those needs. Same thing here. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's pretty serious stuff when Jesus ends a sentence with, I am the Lord. Remember, it's his son. <laughs> it's his son and moon. They belong to him. He says, I am the Lord. Then in Leviticus, you say, well, okay. What a, that's one of my brothers, one of my neighbors. That's someone just like me. It goes on in Leviticus 19.33. When an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Jesus is, uh, uh, God is saying here, not just the people just like you, but for people who aren't like you, from a different culture. Someone might come in from a different culture. Well, I'm not supplying their needs. They're different than me. No. What do they need? Remember Paul said to the Greek, I'm going to be a Greek. To the Jew, I'm going to be a Jew. That I may what? Win as many people as possible. So what, that's what they took away, as yourself. Because that's really the defining thing, isn't it? As yourself. That really brings it to the highest level. And then what did they add to it? Hate your enemy. That's what they added. So it's supposed to be love your neighbor as yourself, period. But they added and hate your enemy, which sounds pretty good. And believe me, the Pharisees were great at this. Well, in Exodus 23, 4, it says this. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. Do you see what's happening here? You're supplying his needs. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you <laughs> fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure to help him with it. This is your enemy. Now, if you're like me, my sin nature enjoys watching people who confront me fail. <laughs> because that's just a sign that God has finally seen my horrible situation and is punishing them for the horrible way they've treated me. Or I knew they'd get what's coming to them. I knew, you know, you act like that, and this, eventually that's what's going to happen, right? God says, no. Love your enemy. Supply his needs. Listen to Job. They're, they're telling Job, he's got boils all over his body. He's lost all his kids. He's lost all his livestock. He's in total pain. And his friends come and go, hey, uh, you know, it's because of your sin, dude. God's punishing you. 
when you go through suffering, it doesn't mean God's punishing you. So Job starts going through all this stuff. How, how can he be punishing me? Here, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And one of the things he says, he goes, if I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to him, if I've done that, then yeah, I could understand that. Hear what he says? If I've rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble. Job says, yeah, that's sin. To gloat when my enemy is harmed. That's sin. So even in the Old Testament, all this was there. The Pharisees sent somebody to uh, arrest Jesus, the guard. It's so cool. There's so many stories in, in uh, uh, is it in, oh, it's in John, so uh, we won't be able to get to it in Matthew. But he, he sends the, these things, and then the, and the guards come back, and they go, the Pharisees go, what? Where's Jesus? And he goes, oh, nobody, nobody teaches like he does, right? So they're like, what are you talking about? We just sent you to go arrest him, and you come back, and this is what they said to him. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. That's what the Pharisees say. The Pharisees have taken their little group of well-learned spiritual people. They've added and taken away from the law to make themselves look good in this kingdom. Remember, we've been talking about two kingdoms. You can go to that slide. Thanks, Ted. There's two kingdoms. We've been talking about it for weeks. It is so vital that this gets drilled into our minds, guys, because it, 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 it changes our perspective of life. There's the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. And they are at war. They war with each other. Both of them are trying to gain territory. And so what the Pharisees would do and what we do, because we can point at the Pharisees all we like, is we like to set up a system that makes us succeed in this kingdom. We like this, well, I've done this and I've done that and I stopped doing that and there we go, we're all set. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I want your heart. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It sums up what the entire scripture is about. I want your heart to be fully devoted to this kingdom. So they set up a system that works, that works great, but it was in the wrong kingdom. Their system worked great in the wrong kingdom. And Jesus just works them. He says, anyone, uh, if you look through the different things we've talked about, anyone cannot murder. I mean, we're doing a pretty good job in this church of not murdering, I would say. That I know of, <laughs> hopefully, right? <laughs> we're doing a really good job of not getting caught, of, of murdering, okay? No. We're doing a really great job of not murdering, okay? And Jesus says, bump that. Anyone can do that. That's great for this kingdom. I want you to not even be angry. What? They say, don't commit adultery. We're all doing a pretty good job, I guess. It's, e it's relatively simple to not commit adultery. <laughs> but to not lust after a woman? Men? That's a little tougher. Right? You've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus is going, bump your lame system. Do you want real kingdom power? Like, do you want to totally sense God's presence and be filled with him and just be like ready to do damage for the kingdom? Then set your sights higher than just this. Go, go way past it. Okay? The Pharisees were like, look, if you're going to have a divorce, make sure it's civil and you fill out all the paperwork. Jesus is going, no. Forget that. 
He's like, one reason for divorce. Three, if you keep going. We'll talk about that when we get to Matthew chapter 19. But it's in this kingdom, not in this kingdom. So look at what he does. He, he points out this kingdom. This is so cool. What he does, he takes, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5 in the section of scripture that we're at, he takes their system and he puts it up against the world and goes, no difference. Great job. You got all your laws and rules. It's no different than the world. Here's what he says. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? In other words, what, what kind of kingdom of God will you get there? You won't get anything there. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And to the Pharisees, this is, these are fighting words now. Putting them up with the tax. Oh, you're no better than a tax collector. Pick your favorite label, right? Mine's tagger. If I call you a tagger, it's the lowest of... To me, that just infuriates me, right? You're no better than a tagger. Now, why, you, I'm going to come back to that. So any taggers out there, I do love you very much. Okay. <laughs> okay. Verse 47, and if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? The pagans, he's saying to the Pharisees, great system you guys built up here. Oh, it's awesome. You go to church every Sunday to your quiet time. Love it. Love it. Oh, by the way, the Elks Club beats every Sunday too. Big deal. Right? The Moose Lodge next door to us. They meet all the time. Great community over there. How are we any different? Jesus is saying, let's, t- let's get out of here. Let's do kingdom stuff. Let's go tear it up. He says, our standards have to be different. If there's ever a section of scripture that shows the, 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 the two kingdoms at war, it's this one. Let's scrap vengeance. Let's scrap hating your neighbor. And let's love our enemy. There's a kingdom thing for you. That will do damage for the kingdom. It takes it to the next level. See, loving your neighbor. Remember we talked last week about extra mile living? We talked about when back then they would be forced to walk a mile and the person says, no, I'm going to walk two miles. And we talked about how they could strike up a conversation with that guard and be talking about what the Lord's doing in their lives. You have a total perfect time to give a mile to share the gospel the kingdom of god shows up in that extra mile in that second mile that's where the kingdom of god shows up everyone can do the first mile it's swallowing our pride and going you know what i'm going to go the extra mile that's what loving your neighbor is remember we talked about lots of souls are saved in that second mile that wouldn't have been saved in the first one because why we're operating at a kingdom level now and loving our neighbor is, uh, loving our enemy is that extra mile living that infuses us with the kingdom. Loving your enemy cannot be done on, and this, on the kingdom of the world. It has to be done up here. Luke 6.28, this is not a foreign concept to the Old Testament or to the New Testament. Luke 6.28, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Man, sometimes I feel like I don't spend enough time when I'm reading the scriptures on what this really means. Bless those. All my speech would be positive toward this, this person that is cursing me, coming against me. Think about how hard that is. That is very hard for me. I mean, I get one little thing where somebody do, says something or does something. And I'm like, man, what's that all about? Well, they don't understand. I don't know. Instead of, you know what, praise God. 
they're passionate about that or whatever. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Luke six twenty eight. So Romans, Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Now it's not just people who curse you, but who are actually beaten on you. Bless and curse not. In Proverbs twenty five twenty one, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Listen, we won't see how much of which kingdom we're in until we're really challenged. We can say, when we're surrounded with our friends, we come to church. It's easy for me to love you guys. It is very, very easy. I come to church. I love everybody here. It's simple. That's not going to show me which kingdom I'm operating in. It's when I'm challenged. It's when I'm cursed. It's when people go, you're an idiot that I... All of a sudden, am I really infused with kingdom power? Or am I, well, I'm an idiot. I'll tell you something. You're an idiot. (laughs) I don't actually say that, but I think it. It's just as bad. So it's when we're challenged. It's when you're, it's when that boss is like, oh, is that all you did today? Oh, that's when you realize. And so to, to be able to respond at that time and go, you know, oh, I'm going to do better, doesn't help us. We have to be into the kingdom throughout the day, keeping this in the back of our minds. I'm not of this world. We see how much kingdom we have when we're challenged. So what I want to do real quick is I want to go through some of the people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament who who really kind of modeled this. The first is Abraham and Lot. Now, uh, Abraham, Lot was Abraham's nephew and they, they were going into the promised land and, and their herdsmen started bickering. Now again, this is just a little thing. And we think, well, that's nothing. It actually is a big deal to have all of your people bickering with all of your friends' people. It would be like you and your friends' wives get into an argument. Right? It's just a big deal. You're like, okay, honey, you know, whatever. My wife doesn't argue with anybody. But I would imagine... That if this were to happen ever, that's what it would be like. You're like, your friends start getting into a fight. So Abraham goes, bump it. I, I am not going to get into this. And he tells Lot, pick whatever land you want. Go. Do it. And it says, Lot looked down and saw the nice fertile ground and said, I'm going that way. And Abraham was like, no sweat. He didn't get upset. As a matter of fact, when God went to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham didn't go, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You should have taken the hill country. Ha, ha, ha. God probably would have destroyed the hill country then. Ha, ha, ha. Right? He didn't do that. He intercedes on Lot's behalf. Lord, please, please rescue them. Joseph and his brothers. Joseph is put into slavery. And he gets picked up by some slave traders. And he ends up this radical life. And he ends up being right-hand man to Pharaoh. And his brothers come, the ones who put him into slavery. Now, he does mess with their mind a little bit. I will give him that, okay? And, you know, since it's his brothers, that's cool. I, uh, I won't get down on him. I'd mess with my brother's mind if I could. Um, but he's way smarter than I am. I'm sorry. Just one second. This portion of the sermon brought to you by Starbucks. Okay. Uh, So he messes with their mind a little bit, but it's not this hardcore bitterness that just takes root and uh, he's able to get over it. And he's able to what? 
provide for them. There is a famine, and he provides for their needs. Saul and David. David comes on the scene. He beats Goliath. Everyone's just like, yeah, David's our guy. He's the new, he's the new guy. He's the Barack Obama, and Saul's the Hillary, right? There's just fresh blood in there. Yeah, that's who we want, right? And so he, everyone's stoked, and Saul's just like, what is this all about? Uh, yeah, and so Saul tries to kill David. That's, really? He really tried to kill him. It's not just a story. David's playing. It would be like if I were up here playing, yeah, I love you, Lord. And Kevin gets up and throws a spear at me. Right? Like, whoa, dude, what's your problem? You know, Usher sees that man, you know, tackle him, drag him out. I'll get you, John. You know, pulling them out. I, he really tried to kill him. And you're like, wow, man, that's crazy. And then he tried to kill him again. Twice he threw a spear at David. Tried to kill David. Then he takes, I think it's, I'm going to say a thousand. I think it's three thousand. A thousand to three thousand, you can look it up yourself. A, a lot of his choice warriors. And he goes after David. Says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. And David's on the run, living like a nomad. And then Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself. He went in to go to the bathroom, okay? I can't say it any, any nicer than that. And David's men are like, David, this is it. God's given Saul into your hands. And David's like, no, this can't be right. So he cuts off a little bit of Saul's robe. And Saul goes out and he waves it. Saul, I could have killed you. And Saul repents for like five minutes. <laughs> and he's back into it again. And you know, it's really interesting. When David cuts off that piece of the robe, he felt guilty, it says. He felt bad about it. He shouldn't even have done that. He should have done something else. But probably our best example of loving our enemy is found in this parable of the Good Samaritan. If you want to turn there, it's in Luke chapter 9. We won't go through the whole thing. But this is really going to give us, this is how we love our enemies, guys. This parable is how we do it. And it's going to apply differently because some of you, your enemy is your boss. Some of you, your enemy is your spouse. Some of you, it's a neighbor. Some of you, it's, a, it's a, 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 a sibling. Some of you, it's a parent. I don't think for anyone, it's someone in this church. So that's cool. I'd like that. Maybe you're hiding it. I don't know of anything. So we get to this parable of the Good Samaritan. So what, what happens is this guy comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? That is a big question. And Jesus says, well, how do you think you inherit eternal life? <laughs> I just love Jesus when he asks questions with a question. I wish I could do that. Like Lisa's just like, did you take out the trash? Well, let me ask you a question, you know, instead of having to actually answer it. So Jesus says, what does it read to you? And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was probably listening to Jesus before, kind of cheated. And Jesus says, that's it. You got it. And then it says, wishing to justify himself. Let's go back to our video. I was just standing there, and she ran into me. I just walked into the house and said, hey, honey, how was your day? I just... We want to justify ourselves. We want to make ourselves look good. This guy wanted to justify himself and said, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of a man who was traveling down a road from Jericho to Jerusalem, a long, treacherous uh, road. It goes from a mile high to below sea level. And it's 
jagged rocks. There's a little area called the Way of the Blood, which robbers were notorious for, for going on. And this guy goes on it, and he gets mugged. Now, imagine if I said to you, yeah, I was on Skid Row. It was like 2 in the morning, and I was walking through, and somebody jumped me. Can you believe it? You guys would go, yes, I can. <laughs> and please don't do that anymore. So, I mean, you could, you could look at that guy and go, man, you're an idiot. You should have had people with you. And so a priest shows up. This isn't a joke, by the way. So first a priest shows up. Then a rabbi. No, okay. Uh, so a priest, I just, it just sounded like a joke to me. Two nuns walk onto the way of blood. No. Uh, so a priest shows up, and it's the Greek word says he came up to him and walked the opposite way. Not interested. And then a Levite shows up from the Levitical order of priests. This guy's hardcore. Doesn't have anything to do with it. And we talked about a little bit about this back uh, almost a year ago when we were doing, we did this parable itself. So then a, a Samaritan shows up. And again, you've got to understand, they hated Samaritans. If this was the Republican convention, and I stood up here and I said, oh man, I talked about this a, a few months ago. George Bush just walked up to him and walked away. Rush Limbaugh walked away. You guys, oh, What? George Bush would never do that. And I said, but then Hillary scooped him up and, oh, no! <laughs> Blasphemy! <laughs> or if it was the same one, I said, you know, Barack Obama went by, you know, but what's that guy's name? Sean Hannity came. No! Boo! That's exactly what was happening. A Samaritan, a dog, worthless, no spiritual, a tagger. Okay? <laughs> That would be my label, you know. Uh, uh, first, you know, Jim Dobson. Come, I don't know. Anyway, so anyway, he's just, <laughs> I'm getting out of control. Let's get back to my notes, shall we? All right. So the first thing is love rejects labels. Love rejects labels. Think of whoever your enemy is, whoever mine is. We must reject labels. The reason society, the reason we love labels, Democrat, Republican, right-wing, Christian fundamentalist, liberal, uh, whatever. We, the reason we love them is because it makes us lazy. We can be lazy then. Oh, they're a Baptist. Oh, now I understand everything about them. Oh, okay. Oh, they're Mormon. Oh, okay. Oh, they're Asian. Oh, that explains it. They're white. They're black. They're Hispanic. It makes us lazy when we think we know something about somebody. Love rejects them. They're people loved by God. We have to come from that standpoint. Reject labels. Get to know your enemy from that standpoint. Who are they? Do they have any kids? Do they have a wife? How long have they worked at their job? What was their past like? They aren't just whatever. It makes us lazy, church. When we buy into these labels, it makes us lazy. When you have a label, if you have a label that just infuriates you, get to know somebody from that thing. I have to still get to know a tagger, which I, I if anyone knows one, please introduce me. I will not hurt them, I promise. Okay? Actually, I don't really even care anymore. So, uh, <laughs> But get to know somebody from that people group. 
I was very blessed to grow up in a multi-ethnic neighborhood. And just I got to know a lot of people from a lot of different cultures. And I love it. I wish that for my kids. But it just makes you look past labels because you think, I, I went to a mostly um, African-American junior high and uh, mostly got my butt kicked every day because I have a big mouth. Believe it or not, I do. But the same people that were beating me up were the ones saving me from being beaten up. Okay, so it wasn't, I could go away and go, oh, wow, you know, African-Americans sure are mean. Well, no, they're actually really nice because they pulled me out of some really hairy situations. Same people, they're just people. Love rejects labels. When Jesus was talking about this guy, he just says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The only time he uses a label was to make a point that your labels mean nothing. He says, the priest, you want that label? Oh, that, what does that conjure up? Oh, the, the, my priest, oh, he's great. Ah, he's an idiot. The Levite, ooh, that makes me feel all bubbly inside. And he's an idiot. A Samaritan, oh, man, now he's the hero. What? Jesus wants us to reject labels. And this wasn't just for the Pharisees. Okay, I come down on the Pharisees, but if you look at chapter before, Jesus is walking with his disciples and they're going into Samaria. And so Jesus sends some messengers on ahead and he says, go prepare a place for me there. So when I show up, I can preach and, you know, so everything's taken care of. And that, that, that city said, no, we don't want Jesus. Get out of there. We don't want you guys, which is understandable. Okay, they've been abused by the Jews and all of a sudden this Messiah King is coming. Heck no. And so the disciples go, Jesus, do you want us to rain down fire on heaven, from heaven and kill them all? You want us to do that? And I love, I love this. I just wish I could be there because I've been rebuked like this by Jesus. It just says Jesus turned and rebuked them. Now, what he most likely did was he turned and go, you guys are idiots. What are you talking about? First of all, you don't have the power to rain down anything. Okay, you don't. you can't even. Oh, my gosh. He's probably just walking ahead. Oh, God. Rain down fire. (laughs) Uh. See? Okay, no. So Jesus knew his 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 own disciples were racist. Love rejects labels. Secondly, love relates to people. It says this man, when he showed up, the Samaritan, he took pity on him. He took pity on him. Love is supplying needs. Part of needs is understanding how we relate to people. You have an enemy. You have someone who hates you. For years, you guys have been going at it. There needs to be an element of pity, an element of compassion. If you're right, if I'm right, and they're really that bad, man, they need help. If it's all about me, they don't need help. They need to be taken out and beaten. But if truly, I truly believe in eternity, and I truly believe that a relationship with God can transform a life, they need help. It says he took pity on him. The priest had no pity. The Levite had no pity. The Samaritan had pity. In Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Do you think all these crowds were believers in him? Heck no. Some of these guys were going to end up crucifying him. 
He knows this. And yet he looks out on the crowds, all these people who are going to be chanting, crucify him, and he has compassion. Somehow, I don't know how, because, you know, believe me, this week, the Lord has really been, this is, I'm not preaching from a, from a standpoint of authority on this, of having overcome this. But I have to figure out a way to connect with the people that come against me to take pity or compassion somehow. Is it my dad that, my dad didn't abuse me, but let's just say my dad who abused me, just awful things. Again, guys, I do not want to, I'm not trying to minimize what we've gone through because some of us have gone through some horrible things and I'm not just saying, oh, just forget about all the abuse. Just love everybody, right? I'm not doing that. But we have to find a way to connect, to show compassion. Because what we're doing in the process is we're humbling ourselves. We're humbling ourselves. It would be very easy for that Samaritan, he's on a donkey, to just go by and go, oh yeah. But he's got to get off, scoop down and go, oh man. We've got to humble ourselves. Love rejects labels and it relates to people. Thirdly, love risks something. (laughs) Love risks something. We don't just with our enemy, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop calling them these names. I'm going to stop. I'm going to view them as a person. I'm going to try to relate to where they're at. And there I go, okay, I've loved them now. I feel better. I feel better. I must have loved them. I don't hate them anymore. So that's, we still got to keep going. Jesus doesn't just say, just feel all warm and fuzzy. He goes on, love risks something. This guy stopped. That was a risk. Remember, it's the way of the blood. Who knows where the robbers are? He bandaged his wounds. He put the man on a donkey. He took him to an inn, drops him off, and tells the innkeeper, hey, when, they come, when I come back, I'll make it all right, whatever. Can you imagine you're driving to Palm Springs? You look over, there's a guy on the side of the road, all battered up. You get out of your car, you bandage him up, and you bring him to the Palm Springs Hilton. And you drop him off. You say, look, I got to go. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Whew, my brain's like way down the road. I got to go. And uh, I'll, when I come back, I'll make everything okay. Just Here's my credit card, whatever he charges. <sighs> Guy's in his room, like watching three movies a night, you know. You get there. He's like in the spa with cucumbers on his eyes. Just kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah. $11,000? What? I didn't sign up for that. This was a big risk for this guy. Because the innkeeper, he wants to rack up the charges too, doesn't he? He's just like, oh yeah, the guy really needed to, he really needed those cucumber spa treatments. Whew. He had a mud bath because, you know, those sores and everything. Yeah, we took care of him. This guy risked a lot. Now listen, this is where it gets difficult. This is the extra mile. So you've got an enemy. Maybe it's an old boss. And every time you think about that boss, you get all just upset. Now, again, I'm not trying to say what you should do, but I, I, want, I was trying to think of how we could think outside the box on this. And imagine if you called that old boss up and he said, Hi, this is John. Use your own name. You uh, <laughs> say, Hi, this is John. You know, listen, I know we, we ended badly, but I just wanted to thank you for giving me the opportunity to work there. I don't want anything. I just wanted to let you know I appreciate it. And, um, and so I, you know, thanks. Something like that. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of your example. 
But there's somebody where it's time to risk something. There's an enemy and it's time to risk something. Now, what happens when we risk? We are allowing kingdom power to come in and do it. If we don't, if we keep it the status quo, that isn't working. Status quo isn't working. If you've got an enemy, status quo is not working. But if we risk something, we allow to come in and go, yeah, tell you what I'm going to do. That's extra mile Christianity. That's what it's all about. That's loving your enemy. The last thing I want to say on this is love acts. Love does something. It acts. Love is not a feeling. We don't stop hating our neighbor. We, we don't just go, oh, I, man, I can't stand that guy. Eh, he's not so bad. Okay? That's not love. Love is a verb, and it encompasses a lot of different things. Remember, when, the, when his ox or donkey, go do something about it. If you see a, a lost animal, go do something about it. If you look in the greatest love chapter of all, it says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we all know this, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude. Okay? These are all actions. It's patient. You have to actively be patient with that enemy. See, I read this at weddings, and it's just like so, oh... I'm going to be patient with you, sweetie. I'm going to not be rude or boastful. Okay? Oh, it's so beautiful. Now imagine if you're sitting there holding hands with your enemy. I will be patient with you all the time. It's a totally different thing, is it not? Yikes! Love is kind. You know what that means? It means useful. Love is useful. You got an enemy? Be useful to them. It does not boast. It is not proud. What do we do with our enemies? I'd never treat anybody like that. I'd never do that, what they did to me. I don't know how you'd ever do something like that. That's pride. (laughs) Yes, you would, and you probably do. I do. Now, it might not manifest itself in that way, but if we're going to the heart, yes, we do those things. It's not easily angered. (laughs) It keeps... No record of wrongs. You want to love your enemy? Stop keeping a record of what they've done. That was a tough one for me this week. Now, do we say, well, but, you know, yeah, you protect yourself. <laughs> okay, you know, you, I don't need to say this to you guys. You, you understand what I mean with the boundaries of that. But keep no record of wrong. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love bears all things. What that means is it covers up. Love covers it up. Yep, they did that. You know what? That's hard stuff. It's hard enough with us in the church to do this. But Jesus is saying, I don't want this kingdom stuff here. It's no different than the pagans. No different than the tax collectors. I want your heart and everything up here. See, that's what God does. It says it in this section of scripture, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. What does a son do? He does what his father did. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, that you may be sons in your father in heaven. Now, what does he do? What does God do to show love? He causes 
He acts. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. That's how it's done in God's kingdom. That's how love is done in God's kingdom. For God so loved the world that he gave. No greater love has any man but that he lay down his life for his friends. Doing something. We need to stop thinking. I need to stop thinking of my enemy as like how I feel. I need to think of what am I doing to restore this. I want to go to this section of scripture right here. It's relatively long, but we can hang with it. It's in uh, Psalms, <laughs> chapter one, <laughs> chapter one forty-five. Okay, now listen. This is kingdom stuff. Okay, this kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving toward all He has made. How is He loving? The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every little thing. That's how it's done in God's kingdom. He acts. That's how we love. We act. And it has to do with our marriages. It has to do with uh, uh, what we do in our neighborhood. We talk about reaching our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father. With the love of the Father, what does that mean? It means we're acting. We don't just sit here every Sunday and go, boy, I really love those people out there. Mm. Oh, did you feel that? Oh, I felt so good. I just, I just love them. Oh, I love them. <laughs> okay, cracked myself up there. That's not what it is. We reach with the love of the Father. We act. Here's, I want to end with this. This is so indicting to me this week. Because here's the thing. To be honest, I don't really have any enemies. I don't have people whose sole job it is is to destroy me except Satan. Okay? And I don't have to love him, which is pretty cool. Isn't it cool that in God's kingdom... Like our real enemy, you don't really have to love him. I, I just think that, thank you for that. Uh, but I don't really have any enemies. So what does that tell you about me? I just have people that I find annoying, that bother me. And yet I can't even love them? I just have people that, oh, not that guy again. He's not harming me. He's not doing anything. But what have I done? I overvalue the fact that he's annoying and oh. And yet I can't even love that guy. Because that's what the Lord was showing me this week. John, you don't even have any enemies and you're not good at it. Imagine if you had an enemy, how bad you'd be. But God is calling me to something greater. How do we do it? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray, 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 pray for those who persecute you. Pray. Can we do this on our own? No. Yikes. Yeah. Just fell right down the steps there. Uh, can we do this on our own? No. We cannot. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the annoying boss. Pray. You've got to get power from heaven. I have to get power from heaven. What happened? When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, I forgive you. Father, 
Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I need your strength to get through this. Forgiveness. Stephen, he's being stoned. I mean, golly, can you imagine being stoned? A rock hitting you in the head or in the arm as hard as it can be thrown? That, that would tick me off if somebody hit me with a rock. And they're doing it to kill him. He says, Father, forgive them. Father, I, I, I need your help here. Pray for your persecutors. I want to end with this. God doesn't give us strength to use the weapons of this world. He doesn't empower us through our anger or getting even or gossiping or going, I just can't believe that. God doesn't empower us to do that. God doesn't empower us to win at this level. He says, throw it all out. He empowers us to win at this level. And so I need to look in this next week and be able to say, man, Lord, okay, I have a sense that I'm not getting along with this person. What do you want me to do? We are in love. We are in love.